but because of his amazing grace, I see who he is. Hallelujah. I'm looking at him because he's amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, let's worship him in this place. Hallelujah. We love you, God, and we thank you for the Holy Ghost that we feel this morning. You are worthy, God. Hallelujah. You picked me up and put me on a rock. You gave me a firm foundation. I'm going to give you glory this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody ought to shout for the victory. Hallelujah. He saved you. Hallelujah. Because he loved you. I'm going to worship him and tell him I love him back. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My, my, my. The Holy Ghost is in this place, and I am thankful for that. Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 19. I'm going to read one verse of study. That will be verse 26. While you're turning there, it's always appropriate and heartfelt to say that it is a privilege always to stand behind this pulpit and to preach to you, to be in God's presence. Thankful for my church. I love my church. And I love everyone here. Give honor to the ministry to my right. I love these men. All are well capable to be in this spot today. And uh, I also give honor to Brother Bradford, my pastor and my bishop, Brother Frost, who both are traveling with responsibility this morning. They're going to Pigeon Forge, where the annual WPF Summit is, and they are part of business meetings, making decisions, not for them, but for our future generations. Amen. And I'm thankful for their burden and their passion, not only for the kingdom, but for the expansion of the kingdom in other places. And uh, you should be proud to have the leadership that we do. Bishop will be teaching at Summit on finances, and I don't think of a, I cannot think of a better person uh, to fill that slot. Just very thankful for our leadership this morning. I'm very thankful for their burden and their working in the gospel and in the word. Amen. Amen. I want to read one verse of study in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. Scripture says, but Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen. And from this verse, I extract a title for teaching this morning. The title is When Pigs Fly when pigs fly. Amen. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Savior, we love you and thank you, God, for everything that you're doing in this place. What a pleasure, what a privilege, what an honor it is to feel the Holy Ghost. We pray, God, that you move and that you touch every heart, not only in this place, but those that are beyond these four walls. And we'll be careful to give you the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. Amen. When pigs fly. Thank you, Sister Paisley, for that graphic. I gave it to you kind of short notice, and you did a fantastic job. I appreciate that. Amen. The impossible. With men, it is impossible. There's a lot of impossibilities today, but there are things that used to seem impossible and today are not. 
And you can look at just things in, in simple terms of technology, such as vehicles, driving a car. That in time past, in the 1800s, and that's not so far removed from us today, that, that didn't seem possible. I remember reading articles of history whenever locomotives were built and also were allowed for travelers to be aboard uh, these locomotives. Uh, some didn't think they would be able to ride in a train that went 30 miles an hour because they felt like at that speed, their breath would be taken away. It seemed impossible, but we know that uh, now we're trying to keep our children when they start driving, just, just drive at least 30, okay, or at the most 30, rather. Um, in terms of just energy, if you can imagine just a couple hundred years ago, the way that you would heat your home is different than the way that you would heat your home today in the times that are cold and in, in, in the summer. Can you imagine Bakersfield without air conditioning? And, of course, you know, energy has helped us solve some of that trouble, and uh, unless you live at the coast, there's hardly any home with an AC unit attached to it because of the weather there. But here in the valley, can you imagine living in a home without air conditioning? It would be miserable and, and energy and getting energy uh, to places. Part of my job, even as of last week, is, is acquiring routes along county roads that are maintained so that a solar company or an energy company can get a transmission line from a substation to their, uh, to their own facility so they can have power. That used to be an impossibility, and now you can attach solar panels onto your home, and you can harness the energy of the sun, and that is a means of energy. Cell phones. I mean, we could spend all day talking about this computer in your hand where you can actually have a video conversation live with someone far, far away from you, instantaneously. That used to be an impossibility, but today it is a reality. All of these things, flying in an airplane, what an incredible uh, means of travel. And, and I, I uh, have worked in this uh, county, and there, there are um, a lot of Air Force bases and uh, you can go into the desert near Ridgecrest. You can go by Edwards Air Force Base. And I've been working out in the desert alone, and the sound barrier will be broken. And you can hear the boom, the sonic boom, after a plane reaches that 700-mile-an-hour Mach 1. And it will frighten you at first if you don't know what it is. But that was something that over 75 years ago was an impossibility. But a man by the name of Captain Chuck Yeager became the first airplane pilot to fly faster than the speed of sound. That is a reality. And it got a little rough before he entered into that sound bear. But once he breached it and came through it, everything was smooth. Incredible to think that that was 75 years ago. And today it happens all the time in the eastern Kern Desert. People are flying airplanes and breaking the sound barrier. So things that seemed impossible indeed can be possible. And I want to say these are just things that happen by the knowledge of man. These are simple technology advances that came about because of what man did. But can I tell you today in the house of the Lord that the Lord with men things can be impossible.
But with God, all things, all things are possible. There is nothing impossible for God this morning. There is no heartache too great that God cannot mend. There is no relationship that is so bad that God cannot fix. There is no sickness that God cannot heal because with man it may have a bad report and it may seem impossible. But this morning I'm here to declare and to testify that God is a God of possibility. And I know it's easy to say. And I can almost guarantee that everyone under the sound of my voice this morning understands that principle that with God, all things are possible. However, there are heartaches in church because people's faith, it gets very weak. They don't see God working on their behalf. Or there are struggles sometimes because people, their faith gets weak because they're going through trial. And they forget how great God really is. And they forget how much God cares for them. And the situation that God can fix, they say to themselves, this is impossible. And they get a sort of amnesia or a a forgetting of. Amnesia simply is a loss of memory due usually to some type of shock or fatigue, repression, or an illness. It could be a gap in one's memory, and it could be the selective overlooking or ignoring of events or acts that are not favorable or useful to one's purpose or position. Amnesia can be twofold. It could happen before an instance. You can forget everything before, and I believe the term for that, if I say it correctly, is retrograde. retrograde in which events preceding the trauma or disease are forgotten. Or you could forget everything after the trauma. And I want to focus on forgetting the things that happened before. And so the way they try to cure this, doctors try to cure this problem, is they try to include strategies for organizing information to help a person remember more easily and for improving understanding of all of these things. So they try and get things that would jog a person's memory of a person's name or an event to help cure amnesia. They're trying to bring to the person who has been affected a good memory or, or any memory to get them back to a state of where they're, they're understanding who people are. They're understanding where they're at and why they are where they are. And I can tell you today that a lot of us suffer from spiritual amnesia. And simply put, we sometimes forget how good God was in the past. And God is a never was God. He is always an is God because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was good back then, then let me tell you, he still is good today. If he delivered you back then, then he can still deliver today. If he healed you back then, he can still deliver today. He is a God of today. He is not the God of the dead, but he is the God of the living. His interest is in you. If you have breath today, if you're breathing, if you're in this sanctuary, then his interest is to be your God. Not just a was God or a has been God. He cannot be that. Just like Brother Raymond Andreas said today, he cannot deny himself 
himself, he will always be faithful. He will always be forgiving. He will always be full of mercy. He will always reach out. He will always lift you out of the sea of despair. That is my God. He is never going to change, but he is always going to increase and get better. And so we need to be reminded of that. We need to allay the storm and say, you know, we need to diminish or put to rest the fear or the suspicion or the worry about God's capabilities. God is so great. God is so great I can't even teach how great he is. God is so, so expansive. He's, he's omniscient. He's everywhere. I can't, I can't fathom that in my mind, but he is God. And I can't change that. I can tell you today that he loves you even greater than that. You may have come into this house and you think that God doesn't know where I am. Nobody cares about me. Believe me, that is a typical feeling for many individuals today. They don't feel like God cares or God knows or, or God is going to do something. But I'm, I'm here to, to, to tell you profoundly that God has you in the front of his mind. And you just hang on. And you keep being faithful. And you keep reading the word of God. You keep obeying the word of God. You keep being faithful to the house of of God and slowly but surely or even instantaneously God can work on your behalf because he's able so diminish or put to rest any of these things that would cause you to have an amnesia of spirituality that would think that God is not able you know you can get amnesia and you can lose memory really quick and it can um, it can affect you uh, in a terrible way I remember in 1999 um, we first came into this building, and I wasn't married yet, and we, we came in in 1999, and I was given the task of locking up the church every night, which I did faithfully, and it's not a ministry that you get a lot of uh, thanks for, but I did it because my bishop needed help locking up the church, and I was thankful to do it, although sometimes there were those people in church that they just stayed in church, and they talked, and I was hungry, and... Um, I'm not thinking of anyone in here, but I'm just, you, you could tell, right? I mean, there are those people that they're having a good time in the house of the Lord, and, and I need to turn the lights off and go home. Um, I started doing that when we were in the gym while this facility was being built, and after that, we came into here, and there's an alarm. And so I was given the alarm code by Bishop, and he showed me a couple times how to set it, and then what doors you could exit and what doors you cannot exit. And that's key, right? And so I was setting the alarm one night for the first time, and I went through the wrong door. And let me tell you, if you've ever heard the alarm in this building go off, it will arrest your attention. It will scare you. It will stop you in your tracks. And later found out that's the intent. The intent of the, the sound of the alarm is to scare the intruder and to cause them to be disoriented because of the fear of the sound and what's going to happen now. And, and I knew that if I set the alarm off, there was certain protocol. First, there was going to be a call made from the alarm company and the police were going to call and you had to have a special code word to tell them, this is the code word, everything's okay. If you did not have the code word, then they're coming. And then the other thing I had to remember was how to disarm the alarm. Now, this was my first time. When I triggered this, this system, it, it scared me. It, it's dark in here. Have you ever been in this? I mean, now we have like prayer lights and stuff like that. At night, when this is pitch black, the church can be a scary thing to be in and alone. 
especially if you knew the 36 and 0 days when bums would break through the church. And, they, and hey, Brother, brother uh, Grogan can tell you, bums break into this church. He's found them sleeping on the back pew. So I digress, but it, I was scared, and uh, I didn't know what to do. And I could not remember the right thing to do. And I panicked. I forgot all, all of Brother Frost's instruction. I was having a sort of amnesia. And so I had to quickly call Brother Frost, and he reminded me of what to do, and he kind of just laughed. Probably had a good time with that, and everything was well. Thank God there was somebody that could tell me what to remember. Thank God there was somebody on my side when I was panicking to let me know how to fix the situation. And that's why we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together today. Because whether you like it or not, you're going to go through situations. There is no perfect person. And even if you are close to perfect, things will happen that will test your faith. And you better have somebody. You better have a man of God. You better have a friend. You better have someone that's a voice in your ear that isn't going to be negative, but it's going to tell you, remember how God is so good and he loves you. You just keep doing the right thing, my friend, and God is going to be on your side. He's going to fix it. You don't get distracted. You don't quit church. You keep coming to the house of God. God is on your side. I'm here today to say the same thing. It may not be the best prettiest way to say it, but I just want to tell you, God is on your side. I don't know what you're going through, what troubles that are on your path or horizon, but God is on your side. Just keep loving him. Keep loving others. Keep doing the work of God and watch God work on your behalf. That is not a promise of Jeremy Brock. That is a promise of the Lord in the Bible. He said, Lord, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. That means if God can't deny himself, I like that, Brother Andreas, he can't deny himself. If he said it, he has to do it. And if he told me, I'm going to be with you no matter where you go, to the end of the world I'm going to be there, then you can trust and know that God is going to be with you. Well, I have sin in my life or I have struggles in my life. God is with you. Just reach out and talk to him. Ask him for help. Repent and God is with you. That's faith today, and that's truth. So, great things happen. Sometimes we just need a refresher. We need to remember. We can't just lie on the ground and, and cry and wait for the police to arrive and fix the situation and interrogate you. We have to do what is right. It's, it doesn't help just to sit down and just wait. You have to be proactive. You have to pray. You have to have faith. You don't just sit in your pity party and just wait for something to happen. you got to get out of that and have faith that God is going to help you. You do your part, and God is going to do the rest. That's not, again, Jeremy Brock, that is faith without works is dead. You can have faith, but you need to work. And towards that faith, right? I believe God is real, so I'm going to worship him. I believe he's on my side. I'm going to worship him. It doesn't matter the situation that I'm in. I'm, I have faith. And my work is I'm praising and believing. And that's why we do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Great things happen when you start to remember. When God says he will do it, believe me, he will do it. Just be patient it's always on the right timing of God, not our timing. Um, you can't put your hope in other things because people will let you down. And friends can sometimes let you down. The world definitely will let you down. But God will never let you down. 
Be patient and wait on the Lord. He is a healer, deliverer. He's a miracle worker. I still believe in miracles today. I've seen God work miraculously. He did that in the past. That means he can still do it today because he's the same he was back then. And I wholeheartedly believe in the promise in the scripture that he must increase. He just gets better, right? He's the same in that he just keeps getting better, right? That doesn't mean he's changing. That means he's, the principle is he'll never change. He'll never stop. He'll never change getting better. <laughs> he'll be bigger and bigger and bigger always. He is a sustainer and he is a redeemer. That is the God we serve. He's a God that works through the impossible. The term, when pigs fly, it's an idiomatic way to say that something will never, ever happen. Right? Pigs are heavy animals. They don't have wings. There is no physical way that they could fly. So in essence, the term, when pigs fly, it means a time that will never come. That'll happen when pigs fly. You've heard it said maybe in that way. It just means it's never going to happen. It sometimes is used to be humorous for humorous effect or to scoff at someone's intentions to achieve something that is crazy or carry out something that is beyond their previous efforts or accomplishments. Yeah, man, you'll do that when pigs fly, right? And it's just a way of just saying it's not going to happen. And so... Someone can never say, will never say, hey, look, a flying pig. That's not going to happen. So when pigs fly is an is a adenaton, which is simply a figure of speech. So hyperbolic, which is an exaggeration or, or, or something that's rhetorical, that it describes an impossibility. It's never going to happen. And the implication of such a phrase is that the circumstances in question will never occur. And the enemy of our soul today would like to deny you of the blessings of God. And he would like to step on your toes and he'd like to remind you of the failure that you were or the struggle that you're in. And he will like to say to you and whisper in your ear, you're never going to be anything for the, for the Lord. You're never going to amount to anything in the kingdom of God. Brother Bradford gave some statistics and read about how young people just don't feel like they're worthy enough because the enemy of our soul will get into their ear and tell them, yeah, you're never going to become anything. That'll happen when pigs fly. Doubt is one of the most strongest and greatest enemies in the house of the Lord today. We doubt ourselves and we doubt God's working on our behalf and so we cringe and we, we recluse and we fall back and we don't get as involved because we look at our own self but before we see how great God is. We compare ourselves to such a great God who is just waiting for commitment on our part or faith on our part. And so the term, when pigs fly, gets in our ears. We start to question. We start to doubt the Lord. And this is something in this small, brief explanation of the life of Gideon that I would like to point out today. Because Gideon was found one day threshing wheat behind the wine press because he was hiding from a Midianite army that would come each season that the crops were grown and they would defeat, they would defeat 
the Israelites and they would take of their crops and they were left with nothing. And so here we find Gideon and he's threshing wheat behind the wine press at night trying to feed his family, doing the honorable thing. And it was at this point that the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a moment of weakness, in a moment of hiding. The Bible says it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to them. And then we find Gideon behind the wine press, and the angel of the Lord comes to him and says these words, Thou mighty man of valor. This is one of a, this is a favorite story of mine. Gideon isn't the best example. Later on, he falls off uh, the wagon. And we find, though, in this case, though, he is sitting there, and the angel calls him a mighty man of valor. And right away, Gideon recognizes he's being spoken to. And he says, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. He questions God's presence. He starts to doubt. He wants to know where the proof of God's presence can be found. And if God was really with his people, shouldn't they be experiencing victory instead of defeat? He's questioning God's presence. And we find ourselves a lot of times in the same predicament, questioning God's presence. And we, we, we start to doubt if he's even caring enough to be in our situation, so we become unloved. And we think that we're not remembered and We think the situation is hopeless. But can I tell you, as I've already stated, that God is there. And it's proved today with Gideon in this story of old that God is there. He sees you where you are. You may not be in a prayerful state of mind. You may not think that God is even going to show up. But if you just stay faithful and you adhere to what is being told, God is going to use you. So after After he complains, the Lord looked on him and said, Go in this thy might, which always confused me. Because the angel of the Lord shows up and said, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. And then right away, Gideon interrupts him and starts boo-hooing and crying and questioning. And it's as if the angel of the Lord just stops, listens, and then says, Go in this thou might. What is that saying? He is saying that... You are a mighty man of valor, and the Lord is with you. And before you interrupted me, I was going to say, go in this, thy might. I want to tell you that God is on your side, Gideon. And if you would just trust in those words, he's going to carry you through, and you're going to have a victory. But then Gideon starts questioning God's performance. He wants to know where all the miracles have gone. And it's been 250 years since God delivered Israel from Egypt through 10 devastating plagues. And it had been 200 years since Jordan parted and Israel crossed over onto dry ground into the promised land. And Gideon wants to know where the God who performed all these miracles had gone. Gideon wants to know, is he going to perform? I know he did it way back then. 
I hear the stories. I live, listen to the songs passed down by tradition that he parted the Red Sea and Moses and all of Israel crossed on dry ground and went into the promised land. But that was over 200 years ago. And is God still alive today? Is God still able today? Because with men, it is impossible. I know with God it is possible. Can it be possible? And it's all right, I understand. I can't put any shame to Gideon. I can't say that I would not be in the same frame of mind and I wouldn't have the same questions. He's, he's trying to be a man of faith, but he has some questions. And so then he questions again God's perception. When the Lord hears Gideon's questions, he responds by telling him that he will indeed save Israel. God has sent him and he will be successful in his quest to defeat the enemies of Israel. And Gideon's response to the question of the Lord's, uh, to, the, to the Lord is his omniscience. And he tells the Lord that he can't be right. He tells the Lord that he can't be a deliverer. He starts telling the Lord who he is. He says, listen, you, I don't know if you're God or not, but let me just tell you something. Number one, my father's house is poor. My father's house is poor, and I'm the least in my father's house. No one's going to follow me. No one's going to listen to me if I go and tell them that an angel spoke to me. No one's going to adhere to that instruction. No one's going to obey my words. And then he said, no one in his father's house respects him. And we will learn in in the future that Gideon's father, he was an idolater. If you read... In this passage, you will find he was an idolater. And Gideon had to go and tear down the groves of his father. Insomuch that the people of Israel wanted to find him and kill him. They wanted to destroy him. This is how he starts his recruitment of the people of Israel to tell them that the Lord is going to deliver us and we're going to defeat the Midianites. But first, I'm going to destroy the groves of Baal and I'm going to to annihilate your gods and I'm going to do that first without your permission and not even tell you what the plan is. And here he is. Here he is. I can understand why he's asking God, are you really sure that you want to use me? I mean, no one's really going to listen to me after I do this. But can I tell you, your thoughts are not God's thoughts. The way that God thinks of you is not the way uh, that other people think of you. You may have people that don't think highly of you, but God thinks highly of you. God has called you. God has a purpose in your life. And you need not to compare yourself to other people or listen to what they say of you. Because God has a mission for you. God has a call on your life. You have a purpose in the kingdom of God. You have a place. You have a power that God has only given you. You have a soul that, God, that you can win, that God has only allowed you to win. God sees you differently than others see you. And he has a plan for you. And you, you can read this amazing story of Gideon, how that he starts his journey. He builds an altar, and, and now his death is demanded because of what he did. Yet he continues on, and he gathers an army of 32,000 men. And he's doing what seems impossible. The Bible says the Midianites were like grasshoppers in a field compared to Israel. There were so many of them, too many to number. And Gideon only has 32,000 men, which is only a drop in the bucket compared to the armies of the Midianites. 
And God tells him, you have too many men. And he's doubting God. And so he sets the fleece out one day and he says, God, make the fleece wet and the ground dry and I'll believe you. And the next day he says, God, make the fleece dry and the ground wet. And he just has all these concerns and he's really cautious about the call that God has put on his life. He's fearful of what he's about ready to do. He doesn't even know how he's going to have instruments of war to to defeat such a great army. And so the Lord begins to deal with Gideon and tells him, you know, you need to go down to the water brook and observe your men and how they drink the water. If they lap the water like a dog, then you need to get rid of them. They're not fit for the army. Sometimes we don't understand God's rules. We just need to adhere to his advice. You know, Gideon, I can, I can imagine, is just becoming even more frightened because as he goes to the water brook, and I've been there, it's a clean, pure brook, and the men knelt down, those that knelt down and, and drank the water like dogs, they had to leave. And so he dwindles down to 10,000 men. And uh, then he gets down even further to 300 men. And he doesn't know how God is going to accomplish such a great victory. And he is doubting the Lord. And I'm very close to finishing this morning if the musicians would come. So we know the rest of the story. How that Gideon still was doubting the night before the great battle. And God tells him something, which to me is even scarier than fighting them with your friends. He says, go into the enemy's camp by yourself. I just want you to listen. So he disguises himself and he goes into the Midianite camp. And he's just listening. And it was then when he heard a conversation from the enemy. Where one Midianite soldier had a dream and in this dream there was a big barley roll of bread that came rolling down the mountain and trampled all of the armies of the Midianites and this Gideon who first was a complainer and he was doubting that God could create such a possibility out of what was impossible this man who declared that he was the poorest in Manasseh. He was not even respected in his father's house as he should be. He had no name. He had no fame. He was just trying to survive from day to day when he was called. He puts his ear to the tent and he hears these soldiers. The soldier who the dream was told, he said this. He said, that's none other than the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. I want to ask you this question this morning. How is a man that is the least in his father's house recognized by such great of an enemy? How is a man who can't even think of himself with enough respect be called a mighty man of valor and he can't believe those words of the angel? How can his name be known? It's because he was called of God. And I'm here to tell you today, if you're called of God, then the enemy knows your name. The enemy knows that you're marked. You are bought with a price. You have a redeeming blood-bought price that you were paid and purchased from the, the cross of Calvary. And the enemy knows who you are. And they fear and they tremble when you walk into the room because the power of God is so strong on you. If you could just 
recognize it today. Gideon goes on a victory streak. He starts chasing the Midianites because God says, you know, Gideon, you don't have to lift a finger. All I want you to do is blow a trumpet. I want you to break a pot, and under the pot there's going to be candles. 300 men, 300 pots, 300 candles. I want you to circle the the enemy. When they woke up to the sound of the trumpet and they saw around them all of these bright lights, they were confused and thought that they were already in battle and that there were over 300 armies in that camp and they started waking up out of a deep slumber, confused, slaying one another, not recognizing the person next to them and God wrought a great victory in Gideon's life that day. What seemed impossible with men was indeed possible with God. Because with man, it is impossible. But not with God. I ask you, do you believe that? I know you have worries. I know we have doubts, struggles. Nothing's ever going to stop them from coming. But do you believe that with God, all things are possible? Jesus in our opening text, was giving an analogy. He uses this in a couple of occasions. With men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. He's talking, he had just finished a conversation with the rich young ruler who went away because he was sad at the saying of the Lord, which was, sell everything you have and give to the poor. He turns to his disciples, Jesus does, and says, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easy, much easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. The disciples are like, then how how can anyone be saved? Jesus said, with men it is impossible, but with God... All things are possible. God is here to save today as we stand in the house of the Lord this morning. And this lesson comes to a quick halt. The altar call this morning is this. You need to say to doubt, doubt you need to leave. You need to leave because I have faith in the Lord today. You need to say to brokenness, God, you are the mender of broken hearts. It seems impossible. My heart is broken. I don't know if there's a band-aid big enough to fix the mess that I'm in. But you keep coming and you keep worshiping and God's going to mend your broken heart. God's going to mend your broken marriage. If you have unbelief today, you need to talk to unbelief this morning and say, I believe with men it is impossible. But with God it is possible. You need to say, those children that aren't here today in the house of the Lord, it may seem impossible and a lot of time has happened but let me tell you, with men it is impossible, but today you're a called chosen child of the king and you're lifting up his name and because of that, things are possible today your marriage may seem unstable and I can tell you, with men it is impossible, but with God it's possible today, you need to say to your marriage, marriage, God is going to fix the brokenness that is here and he's going to show up and he's going to deliver and he's going to make it great. You need to say to your fear, get out of here, fear, because the Lord is on my side. Sudden fear is of the devil.
Can these bones live? Can these bones live? Lord, you know they can live. Well, then speak unto these bones. Prophesy to what seems impossible and say, live. The Lord says, live. The Lord says, come together and be life again. You need to speak to the bones today in your life and say, come alive again. The Lord is involved. The Lord is here. Hallelujah. Let's come to the altar this morning and let's pray just for a few moments. Hallelujah. Let's create a culture of anointing and altar calls. Hallelujah. I love you, Lord. I know you're going to work in this. Speak to your sadness today. Speak to your hopelessness today. God is on your side. God is working on your behalf. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray this morning. The Holy Ghost is here. Oh, I feel faith in the house of the Lord today because with God it's possible. With God it's possible. It may be a long road ahead, but I can tell you it's possible with God. That's why I'm worshiping. That's why I have faith. That's why I believe on Him. That's why I trust in Him. You can throw me in the lion's den. That seems like an impossible situation, but God's going to make a way. God's going to deliver you if you just speak to those bones and say, with God, it is possible. Hallelujah. There are people praying this morning. Let's, where it is appropriate, pray with one another. Hallelujah.